Hi there. Welcome to The Preventable, the podcast giving you a seat at the table with conversations about the intersection of alcohol, drugs, and mental health in everyday lives. Take a seat and join us. Welcome to The Preventable. With me today is somebody who I've been listening to for I'm not going to say how long, but it's been a really long time. <laughs> and I kind of feel like a part of like my like childhood, adulthood is like sitting across from me, all because of our wonderful sponsor, Hubbard. Uh, Donnie Fandango, on-air personality, on the point, and the arch. Thank you for joining me. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you very much for having me. And you're wearing a Bills shirt. I should have expected nothing less. I, I, I am. This shirt, this Bills shirt, though, so I've got several, but... And my my a very good buddy just bought this for me. Oh, okay. But it is problematic, and I almost took a marker to it, and I still might take a marker. Why? To it. What's the matter? Because the 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 reason that this shirt is awesome is because it is a Bills Hall of Fame shirt. So it has all the players for the Bills that are in the Hall of Fame. One of those players is OJ Simpson. That's a little problematic. You got it. <laughs> you got it. So, uh, but you're not. You can't rewrite history, I, right? I, I cannot. Um, but it is like I have this amazing poster, like this old poster from like the '70s, and it has all of these great old Bills players. The art is fantastic, but right in the middle is juice. <laughs> so I, I, so I had to take it down. But again, like I love the shirt. My buddy, my my buddy was like, "Listen, I know it's got OJ on it. Will you still wear it?" And I was like. Yeah, you know, probably, but even putting it on this morning, it felt very weird. <laughs> Are you from Buffalo? No. No. No, I I'm mean, from here. I thought so. Yeah, yeah. So where does that come from? Because well, you're like diehard yeah, Bills. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, it's, what's so crazy is, is so I when mean, I- I got to tell you, when I, I follow you on Twitter and when your Bills are doing great, all is well with yeah. the world. And when they're not... Yeah, it's a, it's a meltdown situation. Yeah, right, exactly. Okay, 100%. so why, why no. the Bills? So when I was growing up, um, it was in the heart- of when Bill Bidwell was trying to build a new stadium for the Cardinals out in Fenton, where the the Fenton plan ended up I'm being. from Fenton. Right. Yes, I know. So my yes. dad, the idea of this billionaire getting a stadium built for him when he's going to work at a factory every day was just the biggest load of crap that he could ever imagine. So my dad hated, and I mean hated the Big Red, hated the St. Louis the football Cardinals. So, and I, and like, so then he didn't like Dallas, he didn't like Washington, so like, I didn't really have a team growing up, and I liked Cardinal baseball and Blues hockey well before I cared about football. Right. So right about the time that I started getting into football with my best, best friend Brandon, it was when, it was right at the late 80s, early 90s when the Bills went on their run. Mm -hmm. And so they had just really exciting players yeah. and they scored a lot of points. And so, you know, for a young kid, it was just fun to watch. Yes. And um, unfortunately, or fortunately, not sure, my fandom runs deep. And so, like, <laughs> I can't just, like, pick up and leave off and, right. oh, these guys are good now. I'll start. I, I cannot like, do that. Like, you are not a Fairweather fan. You no. are loyal. Yeah, I am. Uh, very, 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 very much so. So, I do. Th so, so I started liking them then when they were good. And then after you suffer four Super Bowl losses in a row, like you kind of either got to dig in for the long yeah, haul you're or like you got to jump ship. It, right. And so uh, so I just dug in and thankfully they're good again. Knock wood. And, you know, it's just been pretty great because like the last three years, maybe four years um, for Father's Day, uh, my wife has bought me the... Um, NFL Sunday ticket so that I have, cool. I have literally, I think, watched every Bills game for the last 
four consecutive seasons. And as a kid, I never thought that something like that would be right. possible. So right. just being able to do that and to, uh, you know, to cuss in my living room or my basement office while I'm watching the game, it's just nice to do it at home as opposed to a restaurant. What's funny is you said that you weren't really into Dallas because I feel like that was kind of a go-to. Like, yeah. I remember kids in my grade school wearing like Dallas Cowboy oh, yeah. paraphernalia and I'm like have you ever actually like like why Dallas you know and none of them could really give an answer other yeah. than like their dad likes I mean it's kind of like the Patriots right now honestly I, I, mean, I, I and plus I'm two, not a Patriot hater because you know whatever I feel like that's kind of cliche but that's sort of what it feels like people see, just pick a team well and, and, and one thing that as a sports fan that drives me uh, bananas is I cannot stand it when you start to see a team go on a roll and then all of a sudden here in St. Louis we're seeing like a zillion uh a, you know, Patriots bumper stickers or whatever. And I'm like, all right, I don't like this. One, because it's the Patriots. And two, because it's bandwagon stuff. Right. And I just can't, you know, it's just not how I was. But also it's easier with my other teams because I'm a Cardinals guy. I'm a Blues guy. Yes. So like that's just home, you know, that's just home base. But um, I, like I say, I uh, I dig in deep on my teams and, uh, and will always be this way. So you kind of seem like from what I have heard and listening to you on the radio over the years, you're a digging deep guy in general. Yes. Right? Yes. And you are very animated. Mm -hmm. You're also open about when you're kind of off. Yeah. When you woke up on the wrong side of the bed, when you had something before you came in or whatever. And so I'm wondering if you've like always been animated and somebody's like, give that kid a mic or if if I'm not asking you if this is like an act because I've met yeah. like it's not an act, but like, is it hard to be digging in deep, intense? Like, yes. It's and then exhausting. Do you, yeah. Do you go home and just like collapse? I tell you what, it's it's at this point in getting older, uh, I think I learn have learned um a better way to pace myself. Yeah. Um, pacing. That's... But, but I've always been a very intense person. Like just always I've, I've, um, I don't even really know sort of where it came from because I'm the exact, I mean, I wish I could have my mom and dad in here so that you could see how completely drastically different that they are. Really? Than me. My dad, if my dad was in here with you guys, he, he might say five words and that's not cause he's not friendly at all. Oh, right. he's just quiet. And my mom is non-confrontational, very religious. And I don't know how the heck I got to be the way that I am. Um, but I, I think the, the biggest thing over time, and I'll tell you, my kids have done an amazing job without trying to, to, to teach me about the intensity mm. and how the intensity can come off sometimes poorly when I don't want it to. Yeah, you don't want it to. And so my youngest son, um, Dexter, he is, he, he'll be, um, amazingly, he'll be 14 in October Whoa. and Dexter is on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. He's very high functioning. Like he is a smart little kid or a smart kid, but smart young man, you know, smart young man. Right. Mm -hmm, right. But his social skills and his social cues and things, um, it's rough and it took a lot of time and a lot of learning and a lot of like me just going like just kind of trying to break down his brain as best as I can in my brain to go, you know, man, when you're joking with Ava, my daughter, she gets that you're joking. She can see it. Dexman hears those words and 
cannot differentiate that you're just kidding. So you need to make sure that it's very apparent when you're right. kidding with him that you are. Yeah, because like he nuanced takes everything isn't, super literal. Yep. Exactly. He, he is not nuanced at all in the way that his thing. So like he's with my folks today and my mom has this like skin tag on her neck. And so like every time without question, Dexter will make this like scrunched up face and go, Mama, that thing. And it's just like, <laughs> Dex, that, you know, so, so I think it was, is honestly, it is learning patience with him. And then also my daughter is very quiet and very understated and very low key. And I knew that there were times where I was intense and I know that it bothered her. And so like, it was just like, um, but it's a layered thing. It wasn't just them. You know, it was even here too at work, you know, like even using words when I uh, describe songs, like I hate that song. Like I, I've really tried to, to take that H word out mm. because a lot of people didn't know that like when I hate, hate it, just it. means it, I didn't really right, like exactly. it. I just think it was kind of crappy, like whatever. Burning records. No, you just, right. you just don't want to like it. Right. So it's, so it just, you know, like, like a lot of other things, um, I've just tried um, to really like learn as I'm going along, pay attention, pay attention to the other folks' social cues. And then, you know, when I do screw things up or when I do not have a great day, own up to it. Hey, Dexter, I talked to you in a way that I shouldn't have. I absolutely should not have lost my temper in this particular situation, but I did. Dad's trying to get better. Ava, I really wish I wouldn't use this word when we were talking about this thing. Dad needs to be better about that. You know, and just hopefully that I'm learning for the next time. But also, too, when we were talking about having bad days, you know, I think that when it comes to our mental health, I, I, I don't want to say we, we should just always be as honest as we can because that's not a great thing. <laughs> but, like, I think it helps to just say, like, you know what? I'm not feeling centered today. There is something in my brain that is off. And one, I think it's super helpful just for other people out yes. there to know, like, it's okay. Yes. It's oh, it's just fine. Things are going to come back together, but right now they're just a little askew. And I used to maybe not have that, that frame of mind. I would just feel messed up and it would just... I, it would just go from there. You know, any little thing would piss me off and any little thing would make me mad. And like, um, I just don't want to do that to myself anymore. I don't want to do that to the people around me, the people that I don't really dig. I don't want to give them ammo, um, to use my temper against me, you know? So like, I just think it's, I think it's helpful. And, And I've had people, you know, poke fun and call me crazy and say that all I do is complain on the air and all of these other things. And, you know, they're more than welcome to their opinion. But there are six zillion dudes on the radio across the United States. And they and most of them sound the exact goddamn same. And they're trying to say the same clever BS and the same stupid jokes and the same. So, you know what? I'm going to be I'm going to passionately be me warts and all for better or for worse because i think it's far more interesting for people to see a normal person yeah. that has his highs and lows than just somebody else that's put on a fake ta for the radio like <laughs> yes. i don't we've got enough of those guys right. man and we i feel enough. like it just i just think it means it needs to be real people and also to my dad i i have a younger brother my younger brother had a very serious drug problem um, mm. when he was a teenager mm. and um, up until his early 20s, as a matter of fact. And to see 
my I really just felt like my dad had a hard time initially one admitting that it was a problem two admitting that it was something that he needed to see somebody independently to talk about you know yeah. away from my mom away from my bro like just to just do it like him and and it was and it was really remarkable though to see as he was talking to somebody that he kind of was able to figure himself out a little bit more mm. and therefore able to help my mom and brother a like little bit more. you could see like the transformation once he accepted and put some language around it and, and, and understanding to it. And he has been very, very vocal in me and going and seeing a therapist and making sure that, you know, if a psychiatrist thought that I needed medicine, that I'm taking that medicine, doing everything in my power, um, to uh to take care of myself but he was also really one of the first ones too that was also like donnie you got to cut yourself a break sometimes man you're doing 65 things at once sometimes you're gonna have a bad day and get pissy and it happens so it's kind of it's interesting that you bring this up because as a listener it is something that i have noticed that you sometimes give yourself a really hard time yeah like when not just when somebody pisses you off, right? But like when you feel as though you've overreacted maybe yeah. or you've lashed out or you've whatever, you can almost like feel that you are trying to walk yourself through like, okay, you need to like give yourself grace, but damn it, I shouldn't have done this or like I've been working on this and like how come like it like and that to to me makes you feel not just like a hey and we're back like Mm -hmm. you're an actual human that is progressing you know for sure like we're all evolving but you also still have really shitty days and that's okay and it's funny to me that you're saying your dad is the one who's helped you realize these things when your dad was the one that you described as the person who'd be in the corner saying five words yeah it's there's no really rhyme or reason to like my family, and I say this with all the love in my heart, and I, they wouldn't disagree with me. My family is nuts. Isn't I, every family? Though, yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, you're, my you're, mom is going to be mad, but my family is nuts. Yeah, also. yeah. I, I mean, there are all different kinds of nuts. Yeah, but I think you got to like kind of. It takes a little while for you to kind of figure out like what part of that is normal and what's yes. not normal, and and you know, why you are the way you yeah. are, and like how you still have a chance to be a little different if you want to and but i think it's a good thing though because then you, 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 you it took me forever before i was like oh okay well my brain is built differently than some other folks but that's all right and it's just fine, and it's fine. because in, in in the house initially you know like there was always these talks about my my grandmother my mom's mom um who apparently had some mental health issues and so like I was already aware of that at a very young age and then my mom went through a bit of a thing when I was like in elementary school and so like I kind of had a front row seat to see like a lot of this stuff happening and to see like and to kind of have an idea about mental illness before I really kind of had an idea what it was about but then you know in my struggles and my brother and sister struggles we are wired baby we, you know what I mean like we like this is just like this is just kind of how we work and I think one of the best things that I could do like my oldest son is 23 and um and I love him with all of my heart but he's a hothead like like I am but the difference is, is that I have had conversations with him where I have been like, bro, 
you make things six million times harder on yourself when you react like this. And you've seen me act like this, and you've seen how it's gotten me nowhere. And so I feel like it's helping sort of nip that idiocy, and I mean that in a loving way, like a bit in the bud, because he got a front row seat to see. And so, you know, I I just, I even, I try to tell him, I was not perfect, man, but learn from the mistakes in which that I have made. And I'm telling you that this temper thing isn't going to get you anywhere good. Nothing good is going to come of this for forever. I I always thought that I had like this, um, this like justification to be pissed off, you know, like, uh, oh, things are wrong at the station. So, I'm going to be in a bad mood and that gives me the right to be in a bad mood and blah, 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 blah. All that gives me a right to do is to make things much tougher on myself than it needs to be. Right. And so, so I just really am, and this is so crazy, but it's almost like, what about Bobism? Almost like baby step out of the studio. Totally. Sometimes you got to have those days where you're like that. This morning was one of those mornings for me. It was just really rough for whatever reason. I had 65 things going on. I couldn't get my stuff tracked the way that I wanted to and sounding the way that I wanted to. And I got really frustrated. But instead of having it be a whole day of that crap, I had about a half an hour where I was a where I was a sour grape and I sat down at my desk and I took a breath and I listened to a couple songs and we changed things around. And so, you know, I feel like, and I tell my oldest this too, like you said, like as long as we're learning, as long as we're trying to grow and move in the right direction, then we got to give ourselves some latitude to do that. We have to. We have to. So you actually, I was going to ask, but I didn't even need to, if you talk about these things with your kids, because, you know, we know that, it's trite, but our secrets keep us sick, right? And so if we have, you know, mental illness, substance use disorder, other, you know, challenges, uh, abuse, things like that, and if we don't talk about them, maybe the intention is that, oh, well, we're protecting our kids, but in reality, what we're doing is we're like setting them up to repeat the exact same thing that we're doing. So I love to hear that you're talking to your kids about how they're making choices, but also the choices that you've made, you know, and people often think that you have to like disclose your deep, dark secrets. Like, oh, kids, I tried these drugs and don't do that because I had a terrible trip. No, you don't have to. You don't have to do that. No, you can just say, like, I've been there like that. It didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. And here's how it didn't work for me. But here's what could be different for you. So thank you for sharing that. And you also mentioned that, you know, you, that music helps you turn your mood around. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can imagine, yeah. right? Is that like your biggest thing? I mean, we were just talking not too long ago with um, A.D. Roundtree from yeah. KC, and he was telling us all about the art of meditation. Mm-hmm. And um, that works for him. Is music your meditation? Yeah, yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. I mean, it's, it's, um, and is it like calming music? Or for me, it's usually like, Metallica or something, and I it's, just gotta like. It's kind of whatever. I mean, I I don't even know. I don't even have like a, a particular go to for a mood per se. I just know that I have got to like. Um, I don't know. There's just songs. There's just artists that like. They they just kind of um clean out the cobwebs for a for yeah. a, for a lack of a better term. And I mean, like, kind of all what I do is um I. I 
plug in my phone and um, I'm always like a pretty much a random person. And then it'll be a song that'll like sort of catch the mood. You know what I mean? So yep. like whether that be a pop punk song or a hip hop song or a rap song or, or, or a metal song or whatever, like um, it, it'll just be something. But what I can say, though, is that most of the time my go to songs are nothing that I play on the radio. Um, Interesting. Because okay. I'm I um you know, uh, I am sick of a lot of it. Yeah. Right. Uh, I don't know any other nicer way to say that. Uh, okay. But, but yeah. you know, right. like, exactly. Like, yeah. I, I just, uh, you know, I get tired of the hits and yeah. not to say that there's not some in right, my phone and things course. like that. Yes. But it just, um, you know, I kind of like to listen to stuff that, you know, that I'm not listening to when I'm here all day. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think that, um, you know, not to like, do like a hard pivot here but I think you know you've been open about when you get really angry at something when you when something's just like really pissing you off but and when you haven't quite felt on kilter but you also were very open I think about your grief Mm -hmm. and especially but not just around you know Jeff Burton's passing but like to hear a man talk about grief in a way that you don't often hear, I think was very impactful for folks, whether you understand it or not. And you've even done the same similar thing when you talk about why you've gotten involved with the Ronald McDonald Children's House. Like you tear up. And I think that vulnerability is really a gift for your listeners. Have you had to get comfortable with that as you've gotten older or is it kind of just like this is me like you're gonna get the intensity and you're gonna get this side of the intensity too yeah i I think i've kind of always worn it on my sleeve um you know the 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 jeff the jeff stuff hits it's it's different um because he's truthfully um outside of you know like my grandma and grandpa like the closest person that i ever had pass away and to me and uh you know, what's so crazy is that it is a year ago today that I actually was on vacation with my family in Fort Morgan, Alabama, and um, I had reached out to Julie Burton after a uh, a, a post she made on Facebook and, and found out that, um, that Jeff was terminal, and I kind of still didn't even, like, believe it, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. um, so that whole process of, of him and watching him initially watching him try to fight like hell yeah i mean well he fought like hell through the whole thing but like initially when he was still able to come into the building i mean dude was in pain like we would start doing the podcast and he would be up and ready and by the time that 30 minutes would go by jamie and i would be talking and jeff's head would be down on the on the on the board and so um it was just really man it was just really messed up and and i i didn't know any other real way to do it and or to, to, to talk about it and grieve about it. And and so, like, I just did it the way that I would, again, like, I just would do it how I would do it off the air, you know, like when I would be at home. And um, I just know that it was a loss for a lot of us, so I wasn't the only one um, that was suffering. And it was incredibly helpful and is still incredibly helpful when somebody comes up to me and one of the first things that they do is share a memory about mm-hmm. Jeff. Um and, uh, it's, it's helpful. It doesn't. So I've wondered this. So I have met him at a couple of 
I had met him at a couple of live spots, especially when he had the morning show back, you know, in the day. And um, he was actually my first crush. (laughs) Uh, Such a perv. I just just thought he was just amazing. And I told him that one time and he just like got a shitty grin on his face, you know. But I didn't know him. But when you're a listener, you feel like you know them, Mm -hmm. but you don't. Mm -hmm. So you just said that it it lightens you when someone shares a memory but does it also kind of rub you the wrong way that you're like dude you didn't you didn't know my friend or not really nah, just not a at all human no because no that's what i, I feel don't, like i, I don't think. no i don't i don't i don't think it's a terrible human and i think that it's i think it's awesome that you're so protective of your homie like that if, if anything like but for me it, for me and i can't really necessarily explain why it's just therapeutic it just Gives us an opportunity to tell a story about yeah. him, and or, to keep his memory alive. I mean, it is it is alive and breathing and he, here. He was so, oh man, he was afraid that people were going to forget about him. Mm, that's impossible, isn't it? And we just continued to insist and insist and insist that. Dude, there's no way. You are not one of those guys that can be forgotten about. I told him, I was like, brother, even if I wanted to forget I know, about right? you, I, I can't. Right. But um, but it it, it, it it absolutely helps. But I'll tell you, it, it, it pops up in weird ways, though. I, I just thought of this. So um, at Point Fest, okay, so the last time that I saw Jeff was a few days before he passed away. And a friend of ours was in from out of town. And he and I went to see Jeff over at their house. And he was in really great spirits. And we were over there for a few hours. But while we were over there, he was like, hey, man, uh, just to let you know, uh, I've got X coming by who works at the pageant. He's buying my motorcycle. And um, I knew, first of all, I knew that things were bad when I saw them post that bike for sale. Because he loved that. that. He loved that bike. So that was really, I think, like my first internal realization, like, yo, man, your boy is probably going to pass. And so, um, so we're over there, and he's like, "Hey, this guy's coming over. He's 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 going to buy this bike." And um, so, as we're leaving, the guy's coming to get the bike, and we all say hello. And I had not seen that man until I ran into him at Point Fest. No way! And I ran into him at Point Fest in the catering area. I'm mm. getting my dinner, <laughs> and I see him, and I bring up the bike, and I immediately start to cry. Uh, yeah. And then he, but then here's the best part. For one, the the guy was amazingly, wonderfully great about it. Gave me a great hug. And then he went on to say that on Jeff's birthday that he had taken the bike out and taken it on a long ride and he had gotten ice cream. And, he, and so, like, the whole, it just came... You know, it comes yeah. up at weird times. So so I had to go back and apologize and be like, hey, man, I'm, I'm yeah. sorry. That just caught me at the wrong time. But he was so graceful and so wonderful about it. So, I mean, it's still going to catch me and it will. But, you know, like it will. All it does now is it just I just can see that cockeyed smile on his face. And I feel the times where I would come into the room all pissy before we would do the podcast and him and Jamie would start giving me crap and they would be having so much fun and giving me trouble and just seeing them. It was just like, it was just like brothers. It was just like hanging out in a room with your brothers. And I would feel better after I left the studio every single time because those idiots would break me down, not in a bit, but they would just get me 
back to where back, I needed yeah, to be. Back, and, like, grounded. Yeah. And also, too, I think Jeff was, like, Jeff was my homie in that I would go to Jeff and be like, hey, man, I'm just off today. I don't know what it is, but I have got a spur in my saddle, and I, I don't know what it is. And he would have that thing to say that, you know, might not make me feel completely better, but, you know, he'd make me laugh. And, and I really just took for granted how much that dude made me laugh every day coming to work, because when he wasn't here anymore, it was just like, wow, man, this is not the same. So it, it just... It's just tough, but I, I don't I don't have any trouble showing uh, showing grief that way, and and I um, really you know hope that as a society that some of this tough guy nonsense that mm-hmm. hopefully you know we've been I, I thought we were trying to kind of beat away, but it seems like it's kind of coming back in full force. But I think that's all just garbage. I think sometimes you you gotta cry, but you know what? I I am a crier, man. I cry it almost all of my daughter's band things like when i when my when my that's so beautiful but, but i mean yeah. it's just it's so like i i you know she did uh she was in um uh, she was in two plays last year at her school she is a member of their thespian society at their high school and like just seeing her do these things and like it's just amazing to me. So when I first, when she first comes out on stage, I start to choke up every single time. And I, and I, I, you know, like I know, I know that there are tons of dads that are just freaking like me. Exactly. And 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 like this whole thing that like we need to hold back like emotions like that to me are just nonsense, man. Like you're proud like hell of your kids. Yeah. Like if there's anything in this world that I'm going to get, you know, worked up about, it's going to be those three knuckleheads. And right. so, you know, I, I, and maybe if I hope that, it, you know, it helps some other dude know that grieving is, it, 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 you know, then, then great. But you know, like I just kind of am what I am for better or for worse. Well, I think it's for better and I can't let you go without bringing up your um, flair for philanthropy. And I'm sure this might be where you get a little modest here, but you have raised a half a million dollars for the Ronald McDonald House over the course of your radiothons. And um, I always look forward to the radiothons. I know that they're an incredible amount of prep and I I am basically narcoleptic, so I cannot imagine having to stay up for 28 hours. I love like the morning when you start to get like just super slap happy and forget stuff and whatever. And you've shared that, you know, when you first got involved with them, it was because you were just sort of putting yourself in the parents' shoes. Like, in other words, you had empathy for these parents who were having to deal with their kids who were very sick. They look shell-shocked, man. Like, every one of them looks shell-shocked. And it, and it, but that and, that empathy, there's not a lot of people that can put themselves in another person's shoes and then do something about it. Well, but I, I but I, it, it's cool, and I'm, but I mean, I was also, I've been given this this platform, yes. um, and like, I feel like if I didn't do something good with the platform, then what's good to have in the platform? Well, yes, I know this, and you know this, but there's a lot of like the that aren't. That don't recognize the platform that they have. Yeah, and 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 you know, at the end of the day, I want to do things that make my Mary, my wife, and my kiddos and my parents proud of me. Oh, they must have been hella proud of you. I mean, I I, I think so. Ninety three thousand dollars you raised this last year. Yeah, but 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 also too though, like, and and I appreciate this, and it's very awesome, but. 
the reason that $93,000 gets raised is because of a collective effort. Yes, uh, it's true. And so, like, for us, for my listeners to say... What was the record last year? Oh, yeah. We're going to destroy that. You know, like, at first, I texted, and I don't have the text still. I wish I did. But I had a text. I texted Matthew Chambers, our marketing director, on the way in the morning of the radiothon. It was like, what if people don't care? What if, what if people don't care? What if they don't care anymore? And um, and I'm also worried that because of some of the things in which that I say on social media um, and the political leanings in which that I yes. display, if that would ultimately hurt as well yeah and so uh to find out that the answer to those were uh, was uh was a big no and that you know we we rocked it was was really great and i look forward to figuring out a way to continue to help ronald mcdonald house and i know that i i cannot imagine the radiothon goes away but i can't do 28 no, hours anymore yeah yeah and so <laughs> like- um so so we'll figure out something else and there'll be different ways to help but you know like it's um it's pretty cool you know like it's it, it's when you get a job like this at least i feel like it you know we get a lot of cool things i don't know and, and i'm not trying to brag about this but like i don't remember the last concert i paid to go to right i, I actually i think it was pearl jam at the last time pearl jam was here but before that i i honestly I got couldn't tell you tickets to the last time pearl jam was here because we were giving out narcan and I was well, like behind, kind of, and I feel like he looked at me. <laughs> <laughs> I have the best. I, well, I have a better story than okay, that about any right. better. So the very first time the Foo Fighters, I got one of those coming. So the very first time the Foo Fighters played Mississippi Nights, and this would have probably been like 1996, 1997, uh, 95, 96, somewhere around there. Um, my brother and a friend of mine went to Mississippi Nights, and we were there by like 11 a.m. for the seven o'clock show because the rumor was that Eddie Vedder was playing drums in his wife's band, Hovercraft, who were opening for the Foo Fighters and Mike Watt, who were on tour. Yes. And the night before... I had Hovercraft CD. And the night before in Lawrence, (laughs) Kansas, Eddie Vedder was there. So we found out and we were going to be there. So we ended up getting right on the stage to the left-hand side where you could see out sort of the back door. Uh So not only did we see Eddie come in in a wig, this this wig was like, dude, it's a green jacket and a wig. You're freaking Eddie Vedder. We can see it. But during the Foo Fighters, Eddie Vedder was about three feet from us, sitting on the floor on the side of the stage at Mississippi Nights with a Super 8 video camera recording the crowd and the Foo Fighters. So there were multiple times where I looked over and his camera was at us and we were like, ah. So somewhere in Eddie Vedder's house, my ugly mug is somewhere. At least I hope so. Okay, and I still story. have a Heineken bottle cap from that night that I that I took off of the stage because he wouldn't look down at anybody because people were yelling at Eddie Vedder. He just wanted to be there to play yeah, in, he, in his wife's band and then to play in Mike in Mike Watts' band. So he just wanted to be a guitar player in the band. So he wouldn't look at anybody. Nothing. But I mean, I was two feet from that guy for the entire night and the first time that the Foo Fighters played here which none of us had any idea really what they sounded like besides one song that was being serviced to college radio at the time and they get like four songs into their set and everyone is looking around like holy crap the guy from Nirvana can play yeah you know so it was just a really um it was a really amazing amazing day but I mean there there you know I have a lot of those kinds of little stories here and there from growing up here and and, and from being there but like I said I'm really freaking lucky and so when I have the opportunity to give back I mean it's just um, you know it's just something I think is right thank you Uh, I mean I know I just keep saying that but it's just it's 
what's what's really freaking awesome is when a person that you've listened to and sort of admired is as cool in real life as you hoped they would be because I'm sure you've met those people who kind of suck. Yeah. And it's like never meet your idols or whatever. I'm not saying I idolize you. That'd be weird. But, you know, it's like you never meet those people because they could like really disappoint you. Yeah. You have not disappointed. Oh, thank you very much. And I just, I am just, again, I just so appreciate how you have normalized emotion and how you have used your platform, your position to benefit a nonprofit here locally that is really it's doing just incredible things right and it's helping serve families like at their most vulnerable point i mean i can't imagine anything worse than your kiddo being sick and not knowing you know how you're gonna make it through the day like that would just be so the fact that you help and that the whole you know team here is it really is a team effort so it very much is man and i i i um I, I thank my coworkers for being so fantastic about it. And, you know, as long as I'm in radio, you know, however long that is, and hopefully I can milk this thing till retirement. How I don't know. Have you been in radio? I, th- I, I, I honestly, see, I'm terrible about this because I don't keep track like I should. Um, but I took about a four and a half year break from 2001 to about 2006. What were you doing? Like selling insurance? No, actually I did. A few, I did a few things though. <laughs> I, I worked in a warehouse, which okay. was a, uh, Hey, welcome to reality, everybody. Yeah. Uh, right. But then also I managed a slacker CDs and games oh, store. Okay. And that was, um, and, and that was a lot of fun because it turned me on to a whole bunch of music that I absolutely oh, yeah, I would bet. W- did not know otherwise. And the people, oh my gosh. You know, I always wanted amazing. to work at Blockbuster. I just thought that'd be so cool. Yeah. And like just to really learn like all the different movies and the the weird stuff that people come in for. So I can imagine slackers would be the exact same. Well, it's it's a total um you know, I mean like it's you're a you're you're working with your fellow game, music, or movie nerds. Right. So you are so you are super passionate about, you know, like various things and the things in which that we would, you know, like argue about. And like, I remember this, one of, so like, I love the show King of the Hill. Like, okay. I yes. love it. It's mm-hmm. one of my favorites. And one of the running things on that show is Chuck Mangione is like the spokesperson for the Megalomart. <laughs> well, uh, well, Chuck Mangione like had a couple of like soft rock hits in the 70s. And so one day I just for the heck of it to be funny, I ordered a couple of these Chuck Mangione CDs. Well, sure as crap, they sold like oh. a, like <laughs> in the couple of days, like when after we got them in. And so this guy, this poor guy, comes to the counter and he puts the Ch- Chuck Mangione CD down on the on the on the counter, and I start laughing like. One, I'm laughing at what he's buying, and two, like I'm stoned out of my mind, and I'm not either one. And, and I think I made this dude feel bad, but I was just so excited that somebody was buying this, and I never thought anybody would. But but it, that's and that's one of my goals. If I ever if, if I ever ever level up money wise, um, there will be a Fandango Records in St. Louis, and it'll be a music store. Oh, I, that would be I, so cool. I see, like I when I'm like going, uh, I live off a of Tesson Ferry, and so like when I see like storefronts. I'm like, oh man, yeah, like, boy, good. band posters would look kick ass in the very front of that. Like, I that is something that 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 I, I I would still you know really love to do. But I'm super lucky to have been able to do this for as long as I have. So I should probably um you know stick with it a little bit longer. You know, yeah, yeah, be yeah, thankful yeah. of what I got. Right, exactly. Well, I 
can't believe you said yes on being here today. Thank you so much for spending your time. Thank you. We didn't even talk about the fact that you've like helped us out with some of the medication disposal things. I, I can understand maybe why you said like, yes, I don't know if you were voluntold, but appreciate you yeah, no. lending your help for that. That stuff to me, I mean, t- t- to me, it, it just makes too much sense well, not to, especially right now, especially, know. you know, I, I mean, just again, it, any ways in which that I can help. I mean, it, it, like, you know, we all have, have, have things. And so we've all been touched by a lot of different things. And so, you know, seeing what some of those drugs, specifically opioids can do to people. Um, and, and not even just that. I mean, it just, it is, and it's you're a parent, So you understand that you want to do as many things as possible to protect your kiddos, not like put them in a bubble, but nah. you know, protect and equip them. Um, this and, is a tool. And yeah. I just thought it was such a good idea and it's so really easy and like, yeah, and you know what I mean? come up with it, but it's a very good idea. <laughs> you could have taken credit for did. it. I wish we did. Oh my God. We would not be a nonprofit. Okay. That's what I'll say. Uh, thank you so much no for problem. coming in and spending time with us, even though you have OJ Simpson on the back of your shirt, thank but you, it's okay. It. We'll let it slide. <laughs> uh, if you liked what you heard, please consider rating, reviewing, or subscribing. That'd be awesome too, to the preventable. Thank you again, Donnie. Thank you. Thanks for joining us at The Preventable, brought to you ad-free by PreventEd. PreventEd works to reduce or prevent the harms of alcohol and other drug use through education, intervention, and advocacy. Please visit their website at prevented.org. Like what you heard? Rate, review, and subscribe to stay up to date with what we are serving on The Preventable.